Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed are those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After... Darling, he's made his way all the way to the penalty area. Harry Darling tries to slip it in, he scored! What a goal, that is from the central defender, Harry Darling. He picked the ball up inside his own half, ran and ran and ran. We didn't tackle him. He suddenly found himself inside the Morgan penalty area, cut inside his man, and that was the finish of a 25-goal top scorer striker rather than a central defender. Slips it into the far corner of Trevor Carson's goal to make it MK Dons 1, Morgan 0. I'm sure the question's being asked by Trevor Carson, how can he be allowed that much time and space to advance forward from the centre of defence? Cuts inside once he reaches the Morecambe box and slots it home into the corner. It's a nice finish. And like you say, certainly uh, a goal you expect to see from an informed striker, not a central defender, but certainly, uh, well, arguably, uh, MK Don's first real attacking threat and they've, they've, they've taken advantage of it. First shot on target for either team and it's found its way in to the back of Trevor Carson's net. But the one thing that Derek Adams is going to be absolutely furious about there is the fact that Harry Darling picked the ball up. There was absolutely nothing on inside. He was inside his own half when he picked the ball up and he was just allowed to run and run and run. Untackled, he found himself in the penalty area. I'm not sure he quite knew what to do, but <laughs> cut inside his man and from about 12 yards out, just a lovely finish, I have to say. Side-footed it into the far corner. Nothing Trevor Carson could do. The finish of a striker really but it's central defender Harry Darling who gives MK Dons the lead on 20 minutes Morecambe have plenty of bodies back behind the ball one of them is Phillips who partially gets the clearance in Kasumu danger not completely passed ball on the left hand side oh he's nearly 2-0 there that was a really smart stop low down to his left hand side fierce drive from the Wolves loan he's Theo Capino and low down to his left, Stupa Trev tips it around for a corner. Arthur who are just trying to get the ball down under his spell. He might get it out towards his right-hand side and Phillips. And that was really lackadaisical, that from Adam Phillips. Really, just a, just a no-look flip to the outside of his foot. And that has set MK Dons away on the break. Kane, Kessler Hayden, he's got the run of Theo Cabino down this right-hand side. Ball across and it's smothered by Trevor Carson. That could have been much worse. Here comes Theo Cabino for MK Dons on the edge of the box. Oh, he lets a, a real good effort go with his left foot there. Does Theo Cabino and down to his left-hand side. Smart save by Trevor Carson. Infield it goes to Connor Coventry. Just skips away from Usman Fain. And uh, Usman, well, just taps his ankles perhaps. And, well, referee allows play to continue. Plays it quickly and the shot comes in from 25 yards. Beaten away by Trevor Carson. Away to his right-hand side. Darling's going to go right-footed out towards this left-hand side. That's a good knock. Daniel Harvey bringing the ball under his control on the edge of the box there gets the ball now Harvey might uh, think about a shot does get a shot away oh it rolled it may have took a slight deflection off a Morecambe defender and almost rolled apologetically past the despairing dive of Trevor Carson and you would think that is the points in the bag for MK Dons ball on the edge of the area wasn't too much on really Harvey wriggling away got the shot off and Trevor Carson couldn't get down to tip it round the post and it just goes in off the far corner to make it MK Dons 2, Morecambe Mill. Yeah, whether or not it takes a deflection, we're not in the best position there to see it, are we, Dave? But certainly as soon as the shot's taken, 
Trevor scrambling over to his right hand side and just can't get there as it rolls very slowly, painfully. And there you go, referee puts the whistle to his lips, puts the shrimps out of their misery and you have to say it was a very comfortable 2-0 victory for MK Dons here this afternoon. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. It's the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. So we dare to dream, I suppose, given the great result we had away at Charlton on Good Friday, but it wasn't quite to be against MK Dons. And I think it was disappointing, wasn't it, that we didn't just turn up on the day. It was a bad day at the office. We didn't play anywhere near the levels that we've played for the last few games. And a very, very good MK Don side who could be playing in the championship next season had, in relative terms, quite an easy victory. So it's going to go to the final day. And I have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. We've got that two-point cushion. So you would think a draw against Sunderland would probably be enough. But I'm sure there are going to be many twists and turns to come. Back at the Mazuma Stadium on Saturday, 12.30 kickoff, of course, if you are either going or if you're going to be listening to us here on Shrimps Live. And I think there's going to be one or two surprises. I think one or two things are going to happen unexpectedly. In terms of what we want other clubs to do, well, for me, I think quite simply, and this is no disrespect to any other club, I think we need Sunderland to beat Rotherham on Tuesday night because that would confirm Sunderland's place in the playoffs and perhaps they would then maybe take it a bit easier against us on Saturday ahead of the playoffs. That result would mean Rotherham would need to beat Gillingham to secure automatic promotion. And that would put significant pressure on Gillingham who need to win against Rotherham on the final day to have any chance of staying up. So it's going to be a real roller coaster. Hopefully you can join us on FM and DAB+. We're on air from midday on Beyond Radio and on iFollow from 12.25. Uh, no Sunderland preview uh, today. And the reason for that is because we normally record our previews of the next game in advance of the game before, if that makes sense. But with so many variables, there was no point for both clubs. So it would have been out of date. So we're going to give you a Shrimps Verdict special pod previewing the Sunderland game uh, either on Wednesday afternoon or a, maybe early Thursday morning, depending on when I'm going to be talking uh, to my special guest. So look out for that midweek, Shrimps fans. Uh, but lots to come. We're talking to Mark Swindlehurst very soon on the pod. Uh, Swids, of course, Mazuma PA Stadium announcer for many, many years. Uh, he and his work colleagues are taking some lorry loads of stuff over to Poland to help with the Ukraine relief effort. Find out all about that. And we're chatting to Craig Smith, who's a supremo and the local entrepreneur behind Mazuma Mobile Tech Recycling Company, principal sponsors of Morecambe Football Club, of course, as well. Find out all about Craig's life history and exactly how he became involved with the football club in the first place. It was a conversation about socks, that's all I can tell you. It's a fascinating chat. Uh, do stick around for that, but let's get some more reaction to the action from Stadium MK. Tamani Diagaraga after the Shrimps manager, Derek Adams. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a difficult game, you know, to start with, and uh, that's what it was. But uh, I thought we took the game to uh, MK Dons in the first half, especially, and uh, you know, got ourselves into some really good areas. We were unfortunate when we, you know, pressed them high up the pitch and they gave the ball away, and uh, we knew got really got in with you know Oz making a pass to to Adam Phillips, 
uh, and that would have you know given us a perfect start. Then in that first period of the first half, we obviously lose the goal. It's a poor goal from our point of view because the centre half runs the whole length of the park and uh, is able to slot it in through uh, you know our goal and that set us back. But you know after half time. We tried to, to get at it again, but you know MK are a very good side. They got the second goal uh, and deserve to win the game. That first goal, as you say, a centre half taking the ball from his own half right the way through your defence, that must have rocked you. Yeah, I mean it was really difficult for us. You know, I think that um, inside that you know 18-yard box and even before that, we should have negotiated it better. We didn't, and uh, you know they got the goal. The second goal, Trevor didn't see it, but he seemed to scuff it, but it went in right in the corner. Yeah, I mean, just at that stage in the game, it was about you know trying to contain um, MK Dons. We did that. Um, we didn't. They didn't really have many opportunities in goal. We didn't have many opportunities in goal either. But um, I think that you know to to lose the second goal the way we did, um, we could have done without. Not many games I can say this year that you've sought to get a shot in on target, but that was the case today. Yeah, I mean it was, and uh, you know we had a few shots but uh, they weren't on target today one game to go now it's still all in the melting pot what do you say to your players at the end of that game yeah well we're in a much better position than we were before the game um, you know before the game there was more teams in it now there's only you know three teams in it ourselves Fleetwood and Gillingham and uh, we've got you know a difficult fixture at home with Sunderland they play on Tuesday night uh, against Rotherham Sheffield Wednesday then play Fleetwood and uh, Gillingham uh, are at home to Rotherham next Saturday. So we understand what we've still got to do. We understand that um, the other teams have got to do as well. You've got to think that you know Rotherham and you know Sheffield Wednesday. You know they want to you know continue in Bolton as well. Want to finish as high up as they possibly can. So uh, there's a lot of difficult games to come. I don't know just for your heart rate or mine, but it makes for a, an amazing final game of the season again. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, we would all hope that um, you know it would be you know finished by now. But um, we've taken it to the last game of the season, and uh, you know three other teams in this league can't catch us now. And uh, I think that that is testament to the players. You know, they fought really hard to put ourselves in a much better position uh, than we were in. Many years ago, someone said to me that you should cherish every point you get in a league game, and that's the case. This season just shows that. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look back on it, you know, we, we look at, you know, the Bolton result where we should have had a penalty and would have gone on to probably win the game 2-0 and we lose a late goal. But I think that, um, you know, the players are showing a great resilience and uh, we've taken us, you know, to the last game. It's still in our hands because we know if we can, you know, get a win, then, you know, we we guaranteed are staying in the division next year. Well, tomorrow it goes to the final game of the season, the 2-0 defeat today. Yeah, probably not the best performance of the season. No, you know, we played against a good team. We're going for promotion themselves, so it was a tough one. But like you say, it goes down to the last game of the season and it's in our hands, so we're in a lot better position than we were a few weeks back. Your manager said exactly the same, really, that the last few weeks, your performances have given you that chance and you are in a much better position than you were, but still one massive game to go. Yeah, 100%. One massive game, you know, full house at the Mazuma, and, you know, we need to get a result. So we'll be going out there to try and get a result. Looking at today's game, he looks really solid, but their first goal, a defender going from his own half right through the middle of the Morecambe midfield and defence, that was a bit of a killer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, their team will play really good football, 
and so to consider goal like that was a bit soft for our point of view but you know now we have to just regroup and concentrate on next week it felt like from above where we were struggled to get going today yeah I think first half we did okay up until the goal and obviously that gave them a leg up and then second half we didn't really look like scoring so but it's one of them you know we just have to regroup now the second goal was a bit of a killer though the game was probably finished by then anyway wasn't it yeah second goal was a killer and you know like I said we didn't really look like scoring today so you know unfortunately it wasn't meant to be today but you know we live to fight another day this time last year you were going for promotion your experience came in handy this, now this year it's trying to avoid relegation your experience will come in really handy again yeah I hope so you know we've got a lot of experienced players in the squad and you know everyone's been pulling their weight this season so now all we need is one more push one big effort and hopefully they'll see us over the line it seems to be largely in your hands a point next week should do it no matter what but uh, you'd rather it didn't get to that I think yeah of course you don't want to focus on other results because we know if we do our job then it doesn't matter what happened elsewhere so all we have to do is concentrate on ourselves and big shout out to those Morecambe fans today they did stay behind you you know singing all the way even though you went down to defeat yeah definitely you know they've been fantastic this season they stopped with us and I said before it was going to be a bumpy ride and it is a bumpy ride but hopefully you know we can all celebrate next week yeah, hopefully this time next week it'll all be over with and you'll be celebrating another year in League 1 Exactly. You know, when I joined the club, they were battling for relegation in League Two. So the club's come a long way since then. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, next week we'll be celebrating. So no Sunderland preview on this podcast. We'll do that in a special episode of The Shrimp's Verdict in midweek. And the reason for that is usually we would get the guest on from the opposition team in advance of the game. So it can be in the podcast that given weekend. But so many variables, of course, uh, we may or may not have been safe after the MK Dons game. Sunderland in and around the playoff mix as well. So the fact of that and that Sunderland are also playing on Tuesday night uh, meant that it would it just would have been out of date if we'd have recorded it in advance. So we'll be speaking, uh, hopefully, to our special guest. And it's a good guest as well, uh, a special episode of The Shrimp's Verdict coming this coming Wednesday, specifically to preview our final game of the League One season. But uh, still plenty to come on this pod uh, between now and the end, including a great chat with local entrepreneur Craig Smith. Craig is uh, the uh, owner, chief exec, uh, the brains behind Mazuma Mobile, the uh, tech recycling company. Morecambe's principal sponsor, of course, of the stadium, front of shirts. They've been involved with the club for years, actually. But uh, a fascinating chat with Craig to find out all about his life story and exactly why a discussion about socks turned into them becoming a major sponsor of the football club. It's a great story. That's on the way very soon. Uh, but first, Mark Swindlehurst, you know, Swids. Every Morecambe fan knows Swids. The stadium announcer at the club, uh, both at Christie Park and at the Mazuma Stadium for many, many years. Well, Swids and his workmates, because uh, Swids' his day job, he works for Wix, of course. Uh, they are getting together to uh, help with the Ukrainian relief effort. Now, the idea is they are going to drive uh, several lorry loads of goods uh, to a village in Poland uh, to help Ukrainian people who have been displaced due to the conflict. Great thing to do, and they need your help uh, to make that possible. Uh, now, earlier this week... 
Uh, Swids caught up with Beyond Radio's Greg Lambert to tell us more. In a nutshell, we're planning on taking a, a convoy of vehicles over to a village in Poland called Zamosk, where Ukrainian uh, refugees uh, are staying at the moment, being uh, looked after by the, the people of the village. And you know, we, we had a, a, a bit of a, just an idea about about four weeks ago when you know the news really broke and it was you know heartbreaking scenes that we're seeing on the television and we said you know how could we help so we had to think about it and thought wouldn't it be good if we could get our vehicle over there and we could drive over you know in our personal time and just see what we could do to help and then it's mushroomed a little bit and I've you know I'm lucky I work with some brilliant colleagues you know in my daytime job and a few came on board and now there's seven of us going over there there's three vehicles and it could be a fourth and we're literally filling it with with aid for stuff that that the people over there need so who else is going over there with you there's there's seven colleagues for uh, where i work at, at wix not necessarily from around here they're from liverpool uh, some are from uh, northampton so just just seven of us that were we're, we're doing it together and it's an amazing thing that you're doing like you say and and, and much needed but uh, what kind of things do you need from people to help you so we, we made a decision that we weren't going to ask for collections uh, because we've, we've we got in touch with like the british red cross and, and, and places like that and asked them you know what people need over there and you know people have been really generous and then they've got an abundance of like clothes and stuff like that but what they need is, is stuff like you know babies nappies medicine children's medicine female products you know that kind of thing that it's not easy to get hold of in bulk over there but we can get it here and and take it over so what we decided to do was actually do a crowdfunding piece where we could then go and buy it in bulk and then then, then take it over hopefully get it for a really good price because we're buying it in bulk and then we'll, we'll take it directly over and, and put it in people's hands so how can people donate to that you've got a just giving page set up we have, i'm glad you asked that yeah <laughs> uh, yes we have got a just giving page uh, set up and and it's a it's a crowdfunding page and it is called if you if you search for zamosk convoy team you you'll find it there we haven't set it up in anybody's individual name so we've set it up you know, so, so all of us can share it uh, so it's zamosk z-a-m-o-s-c convoy team and we've, we've set a target on there, which, we, which we'd love to smash. We're well on the way to it, but if there's people that would just donate £5, pounds, £5, pounds, can, we could take over 20 tins of tuna for £5. Pounds. You know, that, that kind of stuff. You know, so we're, we're looking for donations. Any, any small amount uh, will all go to a, a bigger picture and we, you know, we can get stuff over there. And when are you planning on going? So we're going on the 6th of May. That's, that's set in stone. We've got all the vehicles. So we've been really lucky that the vehicles have been donated. Uh, the fuel has been donated. Uh, we've got uh, donations uh, to help us get across the, the channel as well. So we're literally every penny that we're asking for will go to, to aid. Uh, so it's, you know, there's no uh, costs involved apart from uh, getting the aid across to them. Okay, well, we'll make sure that that Just Giving page is on our website so people can go to it and donate and uh, wish you and your colleagues all the best of luck with that, Mark. I really appreciate it. Uh, people have just been so brilliant, Greg, you know, and people are generous and I think people are 
you know, looking you know, to see what they can do to help. So uh, we really appreciate anything. Good luck to Mark Swindlehurst and the team at Wix. They've got their vehicles. They just need donations to fill them up now so they can go to Poland on the 6th of May and uh, help out as many displaced Ukrainian families uh, who have been affected by the conflict as possible. If you'd like to find out more details and the links where you can donate, they are all on the website right now at beyondradio.co.uk. Uh, now, a local businessman has been talking to us about our conversation about socks, believe it or not, led to Morecambe Football Club's ground being renamed from the Globe Arena. Uh, we've been chatting to local entrepreneur, Morecambe man Craig Smith. He's the founder and managing director of Mazuma Mobile, the tech recycling company, one of the principal sponsors of the Shrimps, of course, as well. The stadium, the front of the shirts. They've been involved with the club for a number of years, actually. Uh, they are based inside the old Reebok building on Whiteland. They've been there for 10 years already. And as you'll hear, they're going to be there for at least another 10 more. Uh, we've been catching up with Craig to find out his life story, to get more information about his early life, his career, uh, plans for the future, and exactly why he's involved as heavily as he is. And we're so grateful, of course, that he supports the club so well uh, with Morecambe Football Club. Uh, Beyond Radio's Greg Lambert went to meet him. I mean, I remember when we took it, took, took it. it'd been derelict for three or four years. And when we first moved in, the phone rang and it was a post office. And this guy said, uh, hello, is that the old Reebok? And he said, um, have you moved in now? And I said, yeah. And he went, right, what's the address then? And I said, uh, what are you going to call it? And I said, the, the old Reebok thing. <laughs> Oh, so everybody knows and that, it. And that was that, yeah, because everybody called it that anyway, didn't they? So, uh, yeah, still the old Reebok, yeah. Still the old Reebok. Well, we'll talk a little bit about uh, why you're here and, and, and the businesses that you run from here, Craig, uh, in, a, in a moment. But just wanted to find out a little bit about you, first of all. You local lad? Yeah, absolutely, very much so, yeah. Local and I'm really, really proud of it, yeah. Uh, so I uh, I grew up on Balmoral Road uh, in the West End. And then my parents moved out to, we moved to Hesham for a, for a spell. Lived there for quite a while. And then lived in lived on Hesham Road. Then lived in the village in Hesham Village for a bit. And then uh, then I got a job in London. Moved away for, for a number of years. And then when I came back, lived in Lancaster near Williamson's Park. And uh, and now I live in Goldgate. So very much local. And and you know I wouldn't want to be anywhere else truly. Which schools did you go to? I went to West End Primary School. And uh, then I went to Morecambe. Okay. And what, what was your ambition when you were at school? What is it you sort of could see yourself doing with your life? I, I didn't really know, to be honest. I, I, always used, I used to speak to some people and they knew. And I always felt slightly worried or envious of that because people used to say, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, my, and I, I didn't, I wasn't particularly good uh, academically. So, I, you know, I think in those days, you know, I, I don't think anyone, or me included, university was never going to be a thing never even it wasn't there you know so I didn't, didn't really know and I, I remember you know my reports weren't particularly good at school um I used to enjoy I think my dad said I used to enjoy the social side of school rather than much else and I did I you know still you know I have a, a group of friends that I've still got today and they all you know we all went to school together which again I'm, I'm really proud of that and I'm proud that we're still in touch and you know very much in touch so I didn't really know you know I'd I, I liked business. I did. I liked, you know, I liked hearing about business and how things worked and how companies worked. And, you know, I remember being, 
sort of slightly fascinated by the stock exchange and how that how does that work you know i mean people talk how does that work what happens you know that that interested me and uh you know and, and i liked i like money i liked to be honest i like you know i had quite a lot of jobs when i was growing up different jobs i had two or three jobs at the same time because i enjoyed working hard i enjoyed earning money and and then you know and i enjoyed spending it with my mates on a saturday you know so what was that first job in London? Orange, um, mobile phone, which would, then nobody had heard of it. It was, um, everybody had heard of Vodafone and, and for those who remember, everyone had heard of what was then Cellnet. They were the two mobile phones, but nobody had a mobile phone either, 94, 95. I remember a few people saying to me, that won't work. Um, you know, what do you need one of them for? But I liked it and I thought, um, I'm going to apply. So I applied for a job in London and, and uh, ended up, um, working for Orange in uh, in central London, yeah, um, which was great because I, you know, I love the area, but I kind of wanted to see what it was like to go in. You know, my, my plan was to go to Manchester actually, but then there was wasn't any jobs available, so I ended up in London. So you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You know, I was 20, 25, 26 years old and moved to London and. So what happened after that? How did you sort of move from Orange towards setting up your first business? We, I'd done five years at Orange and loved it and become quite, you know, we'd become very successful as a company. You know, you, you know, again, for those who were old enough to remember it, it, it did rise pretty quickly. It was heavily well, it was well invested in and the team, the team of that company and the senior team, you know, led it really well. I'd signed, we had, we'd signed Renault on a two year deal and it was coming to the end of that deal and, and to re-sign Renault. So the, the guy that I met there had a great relationship with him and uh, he said to me, yeah, we're happy to resign on a new two-year deal, but we just want you to take away the old mobile phones. And at the time, you know, um, Orange didn't offer that. There was no you know, phone recycling. Phones were changed. I mean, now phones don't change as quickly, but in those days, six months, eight months, a year in the mobile phone game was a long time. They were getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They were adding more features to them. You know, Nokia was a big player at the time. And um, it wasn't something that, that people offered. And, and I just constantly bumped into this problem where corporates were sort of big corporates who were ahead of the curve and, and had early environmental policies were saying, you know, we don't, because again, if you remember, you didn't own the phone. You kind of paid 25, 35 pound a month line rental and you kind of got the hardware kind of thrown in, if, if you recall. But I've, I'd always wanted to run my own firm. I always had this dream of, of running my own company. And Orange was so good, I could never see how I was going to do it because there was no reason to, to leave Orange because it was it was a great place to be. But then this opportunity came along and I, th and I thought, you know, there's a lot of product coming on the market and I, can, I only knew two contacts who'd take it at the time, both based in the UK. And so I took the plunge and left Orange and set up um, a company called SHP and um, called it SHP for stuff for secondhand phones. And we, the three of us used to just, uh, you know, effectively go out speaking to people, doing the same thing we were for Orange, but knocking on doors and saying, have you got any old phones? And uh, we used to bring them back to our little lock up in Wimbledon. And then once a week, this guy used to turn up that we used to know and he used to buy. Him. And that, that was how we started the business. And we were growing. So we needed we needed an office. We needed more warehouse space. And uh, I said to the other two guys, I want, I, I'm ready to go home. You know, I've, I've done five, I think I've done six and a bit years by then in London. And I, I'd never planned to stay. I, I always wanted to come home. You know, all my friends and family were here. I used to come home quite often. And um, I saw it as an opportunity to come home, open a small office. I, we had a small office on um, 
Church Street, next to the Sun Pub. And the guy stayed in London, generating the business. And I kind of ran, I kind of ran kit coming in as well, but you know, I ran everything else that went with the business. And you, you know, there's a lot, even with a small business, there's a lot going, a lot to do. So that's how we started, yeah. So when did you move here to the Reebok building? Uh, we, we moved around a little bit. You know, we had the office in Church Street. We moved to St. Leonard's Gate. We ended up with more and more space in there. But then we ended up, I think we, we won a particularly good contract uh, with what was PC World at the time. To, to, you know, we, we branched out from just phones to do laptops and desktops and things like that. And we ended up with about four or five warehouses around the town. And it was before the bypass. I spent a lot of time in that, as everyone, anyone again will remember, coming from Morecambe to Lancaster wasn't the wasn't the joy that it is today. Um, and we said we've got to find a place that, that 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 we can put everything under one roof. And, and luckily, we found this place. We've just signed a new a new ten year deal on this place, um, taking us to thirty one. So we've we've done we started in eleven. That'd be right. So we've we've done ten years to twenty one. And we last year we signed a new ten year deal to take us to thirty one in this building. So what happened to SHP? You've grown the business, you've got these these big contracts and you've moved back home You're in this you know, very iconic building on the White Lund estate. What happened after that? Uh, SHP was around for a long time and, and uh, you know, we, we had, like I say, there was three of us who set it up. Um, one of the guys left a few years down the line and then we had a couple of offers for the firm to buy the firm. But then me and him were talking and, and I, I had ideas about what I wanted to do and, and he, had, he had other ideas. But again, nothing, you know, very amicable. And I decided to, to to buy him out. So again, that always sounds a little hostile, but it wasn't. It was all done really well. Simon uh, wanted to do some other stuff and he's still a good friend of mine today. So I bought Simon out and changed the name. That's when I changed the name. So when I when I took sort of 100% control of the business, I changed the name from SHP to ICT. Again, it didn't, it didn't really have much identity. What does it mean? SHP, second-hand phone. We did, we did a lot of, you know, the, the, the word then, you know, and still is, is, is ICT. ICT represents the equipment that we deal in. Reverse logistics was the, the word of, around, you know, bringing things back, if you will. Mazuma has its own, you know, format of things it needs to do. We do it, we're very serious about data wiping. We're very serious about making sure that we pay people on the same day it's a consumer facing business but it's it, it's a lot more a lot more famous and, and also you know it comes across as a, a lot more fun proud of your local roots mate. and like you say you've, you've done this uh, this great deal with Morecambe Football Club it's now the Mazuma Stadium how much pride does that give you what you've what you've done there massively I mean we've been involved with the football club on and off for years I'm a football fan myself and and, and I was you know always been involved in somehow in, in Morecambe you know we've I used to go to the, the squash club with my dad when he was, you know, next to the football club. And then, you know, I've been to many games at the football. My mate used to live across the road from Christie Park. So we used to go to a lot of games there and wrap it up in a good Saturday with your mates, you know. Uh, it was always there, the football club, and in some way. We had some dealings then with Peter Howard, um, who was commercial manager at the time. And when, when the club was still at Christie, we sponsored the shirt for a season under Mopake, that was another brand we had at the time. And then we didn't do anything for a while. Again, you know, we we were focused on ICT Reverse and when we got Mazuma back, that was when I thought we could do something. And I went to see um, Rob Taylor and uh, a few of the guys and we just went in and said, you know, we're a local business. We really wanna, you know, we wanna get involved in the community. We wanna 
do something positive and and you know we, we, we're a big employer you know we've we've got you know currently we've i think at our height we've, we've been up to as many as 170 employees so you know it's 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 a fair number how can we do something with a club and i think jokingly i think i said look you know could we be on the socks or something because i remember them saying well yeah you could be on the because I did say that, you, you could be on the socks, but you could be on the shorts. And I was like, oh yeah, you could be on the shorts. And then somebody said, oh, you could be on the the front of the shirt was taken at the time, but you could be on the back of the shirt maybe. Could we, maybe we could do something on the back of the shirt. Somebody said, sponsor the ground. You could, you could, we could, we could change you from the globe. And I remember saying at the time, wow, I literally did come in thinking we might get on the socks. <laughs> now we're, we're suddenly going to change the stadium. Big debate about whether it should be called the Mazuma Stadium or the Mazuma Arena. The Mazuma Arena was, uh, a lot of people was pushing it. And uh, I, I still, I'm still a bit out on whether, you know, I, I love them, I love them both. I think they both work. But there was talk of a Mazuma Arena with the A, B and the same A and you know, so it sort of roll off the tongue. Most of the focus seemed to be on um, Jeff Sterling saying Mazuma on a Saturday afternoon was the, was what people were looking forward to. Um, and on that front fascia, which is a, you know, when you drive down that road and you, and, you, and you see the football club, that looks good on any day. And then to see Mazuma on there as well, lit up at night, was I thought it was fantastic. So we're really, really pleased with it, really proud. And, and you know, we've been involved therefore with the club even more so. And, you know, been lucky enough. I mean, I was I'm lucky enough to go to the playoffs when we got into League Two. I'm lucky enough to go to the playoffs when we got into League One. So, I've, uh, you know, I've been, my timing's been good, I think. Someone asked me once what I did, and I said, it's, it's a bit like Ken Allen's, but with laptops. <laughs> um, and it is, yeah, because we, we pull all the parts off and we sell the parts. And then within that is a, is a, is the is the, the one that we're currently working on, which is all about, if nobody wants it for parts, what do you do then? You know, a good example would be a, a big old printer. A big old printer is not got a lot of value. You certainly wouldn't want to repair it because you wouldn't be able to get the part anyway, maybe. And even if you cut the part and outweigh the price of the printer. And we're currently working with uh, Lancaster University um, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a joint venture where we're trying to come up with, and we, we quite, we've been quite successful in a short time, of how to take that thing break it into, take it back to its old components. So, you know, the metals, the plastics, the circuit board, and then and then effectively get that back to its original product. So we, we will end up taking these products and effectively making um, different grade of plastics from it, different grade of metals, se separating the metals out into the relative, you know, tin, copper, etc. The really clever bit as well from some of the components, particularly the circuit boards, we're currently working on a, a program called bioleaching which is effectively um, extracting precious metals that were originally used in those components circuit boards a good example and we're pulling off um, at the moment tin copper that we, we're trialing in a few weeks gold where we where we're heading with this new process is is completely new ground and and it, and it, and it elevates the company in terms of its recycling capability to, to really be able because if we can handle any type of product that comes through that door no matter what it is and it goes through one of those channels then nothing nothing goes ends up in the bit West End School uh, needed we're looking for some help with some tech but obviously it's something that was uh, interesting to me because I used to go there to try and help them so we, 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 we're going to try and do some, some some stuff that's a little bit more ingrained in the community with, with schools with 
we recently we got a big mascot for Mizuma that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. We've taken that out to some schools recently to engage some younger audiences and get people thinking about recycling and stuff. So we continue, like I say, we're continuing that campaign. So it sounds like the businesses are doing really, really well. I and mean, it's been tough times for businesses in recent years, particularly. How did you cope with the the height of the COVID pandemic? Um, and and I think how have you sort of come out and emerged from it? Still uh, doing so well. We didn't know. I don't think we knew what we were doing. I don't. You know. I think a lot of companies. We just took it day by day. We listened to Boris Johnson at five o'clock every night and tried to work out a plan. Uh, you know, two different companies. ICT was hit hard quickly. We pick up from businesses. So if we pick up from businesses and businesses are closed, you can't pick up from a business. So instantly, ICT, literally the cogs stopped turning very quickly. And that was a real worry for us. But on the other hand, Mizuma then ended up, uh, as, as some companies did through the pandemic, and it's a funny thing to, to, to say because you, you, you kind of don't want to celebrate the fact that the pandemic's helped your company. That doesn't seem the right thing to do or say, but it, it was a fact. More people being at home, more people having more time on their hands at home um, means more people rummaging through the cupboards, more people having the time to spend on the Mizuma website. And we saw, you know, a, a sharp increase in the amount of people who were actually using Mizuma. It kind of balanced itself out. So we didn't win or lose. We kind of managed to keep the group of companies along the same path because Mizuma actually did better. Uh, and ICT did, did worse. So, but overall, the net result was around the same. And again, you know, the, the, the government furlough scheme kept ICT in business um, because we were able to keep all the, you know, it's, it's a highly skilled job working in ICT. You know, the, the product you're doing, wiping data, dealing with IT, we couldn't afford, you know, we needed to keep them people here. I, you know, I believed that we'd come through it. I did believe that from the start. I didn't know how we'd come through it, but I believed we would and just taking it day by day. So the, the, the government scheme helped us a lot and, and gradually, we had, we had a few false starts really. ICT had a few, you know, with different lockdowns. Again, as you as, as you'll recall, Greg, there was a lockdown two, lockdown three. So we, we kind of, we'd hear that things were opening up and we'd bring some people back and then a few weeks later, the hammer had come down again and it was like, right, no, it's not again. So we had, a, we had some false starts, but some people were working still from home. Some people were working from their offices and not really moving around. Um, we taped all the floor out and everybody wore masks and we had to buy a very expensive temperature machine that at the time, I remember the price of them were four times dearer within a week than, than they were the week before. So we did all the things that I'm sure everyone else had to do and um, we came through it. The team here, you know, I, are, have been amazing. They, they've worked through some really difficult times. Um, so as somebody who uh, grew up in the area and went away, came back, what are your feelings about the local area as a whole now? As somebody who's, who's running a business in the local area, what kind of things do you like to, to do You know, in the local area and what do you see as its future? I genuinely love this area. I, I, you know, I'm really proud that my business is in this area, that we promote, we promote our business in this area, that we employ um, you know, a lot, a lot of people locally, which we do, you know, I can't think there's very many people. I think the furthest staff we've got is, is Preston, uh, you know, and there's not many of them. I think most people live in Morecambe and work here. Now, you know, I don't do a lot of social media, but I do look at 
LinkedIn and I see people posting things regularly on LinkedIn about the town, how proud they are of it. Morecambe's Morecambe and, 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 it's, and it's got the bay. Um, it's got that beautiful, you know, beautiful walk down the prom, going into Hesham. It's got, you know, I still love the front. I, you know, you know, I used to work on Frontierland, and uh, I still like walking around there. And, and uh, you know, I graduated from that end up to the top end of town. Whereas you remember, everybody used to be out on a Saturday night, and the place, you know, the street outside the King's Arms and stuff. And all that, I, you know, all that nostalgia is still there for me. So, you know. I, Morecambe is really, really special to me. I've invested in this area. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You know, I've, I've just, as I said, I've, I've um, bought a house uh, in in Volga and you know that's. I think that'll that's where I'm going to be. Talking about Mizuma and digital space and going forward, there's a lot of companies that I think hopefully we can collaborate with. The university I've mentioned. Uh, what haven't we got? I don't know what we haven't got because um, you know for me trying to run a business in here trying to bring up a family around here um, I, I truly you know truly think I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere if you'd like to listen to a longer version of our chat with uh, the chief exec local entrepreneur Craig Smith from Mazuma Mobile the tech recycling company principal sponsor of course of uh, Morecambe Football Club uh, you can find that at beyondradio.co.uk right now and that's just about it for this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. We'll uh, be doing a special Sunderland preview midweek. Look out for that sometime on Wednesday. And of course, we would love your company for Morecambe's final game of the League One season. Back at the Mazuma this coming Saturday. It is a 12.30 kickoff. It is a sellout. So if you're not going down, if you haven't got a ticket, the only place to hear full match commentary is here on Beyond Radio. FM and DAB Plus will be live on your radio across North Lancashire and South Cumbria from midday for the 12.30 kickoff and on iFollow Shrimps from about 12.25 as well for the build-up and full match commentary of Morecambe against Sunderland. It is going to be quite the occasion. Join myself, Dave Salmon, Matt Smith from the Shrimps Media Team and Tom Collins, our special guest, a.k.a. Mr. Shrimps Online, will also be joining us in the commentary box as well. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Shrimps fans, have a great week and we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. Radio.